is episode six of Insert Credit, the official Insert Credit podcast. I'm Insert Credit's Alex Gorblax Jaffe, and joining me this week is Insert Credit's Frank Cifaldi. Insert Credit. Insert Credit's Tim Rogers. Yeah. Insert Credit's Brandon Sheffield. Hi, it's me. And Insert Credit's Christian Nutt. Hi there. Great to have you on the show, Christian. What have you been up to? Um, lately I've been playing far too much Theatrhythm, Final Fantasy. Is it pronounced Theatrhythm, or is it, I thought it was Theatrhythm, like theatrical rhythm? Um, I don't know, uh, it, the Kotaku New York Times combo has it as Theatrhythm. Theatrhythm? Official, yeah. I, uh, that's how I pronounced it. That's, why would you pronounce it that way? It's not two words, it's one word, clearly. Theatrhythm, yeah. Are you I, one of those people who insists that, uh, the, the S in PlayStation should be lowercase. PlayStation. PlayStation. Because there was like some guy I remember, some editor in chief of some magazine or something was like posting on the internet several years ago. Yeah, we don't uh, submit to Sony's branding. We spell PlayStation with a lowercase S. It's like okay, I guess that's cool. It was you some know. magazine like like uh, one of those. I think it was GameGo. I that's, don't know what it was. That's almost as asinine as spelling your name in all lowercase letters. So what is the what is the Japanese spelling of theatrhythm? It's a shiatorism. Shiatorism? No, just shiatorism. Seattle rhythm. Shiatorism. Seattle rhythm? Yes. Yeah. Rhythm in Seattle? The Pearl like, Jam game? Seattle, Seattle rhythm. Dave well, Grohl uh, stars. Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl stars. <laughs> I'd play Girl Stars. That'd be better than Rock. PlayStation All Stars, Girl Star, PlayStation Girl Stars. That should be the drum, the drums version of Guitar Hero. Should be called Girl Stars. Girl Stars. <laughs> Girl Stars. And, and you can be, you can just drum along to, uh, to Smash Mouth's All Star. I think that's enough small talk for now. Uh, Christian, have, are you familiar with the rules and regulations of our podcast? Uh, I got them from Tim. Yes. All right, uh, just a quick going over. I'm going to give you a topic. You will have six minutes or less to uh, adequately address it. And should you go over, I will play a terrifying sound effect. Are you ready to go? Does, do other people jump in, or do I just have yeah, six by, minutes Yeah, by you, he means us. Or just all of us, yeah. <laughs> Collective okay. you. You can, you, can, you can go ahead and talk the whole time, though. I got a beverage and stuff. The I'll, I'll just sil- I will silently judge you from here. It'll be fine. Not, not the singular you, the Wii U. Oh, 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 the, the Wii, Wii U. U. <laughs> yeah, the, royal the royal you. Well, let's get started. Right on. In game design, where is the line between difficult and unfair? Spec Ops, the line. Speak Ops? Speak Ops? Okay, Speak you're playing it on normal, which was a bad idea. I, you know, I changed it. I changed it to... Uh, are you so guys I walk in the park and then I beat it? Are you guys talking about playing the game on normal, saying it's too hard? I'm I, saying, yeah. well, I don't know if it's too hard because I didn't bother trying. What I'm saying is, if you're just going to walk through a game, you should just play it on easy because why not? So, yeah. so in other words, we've just let our entire audience know that uh, you guys are FPS noobs. Well, here's the thing about it. Um, if, that's that's real great for your PR. For yeah, you want a career in the video game industry. Good good luck now, pal. It's uh it's not very fun. The the actual playing of that game is not particularly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And so when what you want to see is the story, it's kind of a dumb idea 
to play it on anything other than the easiest level um, if it's not engaging you. And uh, I think that's kind of part of the answer here. Um, and I feel like we sort of addressed this in the past. It's like mm -hmm. difficulty um, Difficulty can be as high as you want as long as the game is giving you something enjoyable back. Yeah. And uh, if... And by the way, uh, Spec Ops is a third-person shooter, not a first-person shooter. Um, and it, you know, it's okay, but it's not special, and it's not very fun to shoot the guys. So, uh, you know, it, playing that on super high difficulty is just frustrating because you get, just get shot with an RPG that came from nowhere, and then you're dead. And it's like, well, I guess I, I've got to sit through this 15 seconds of loading again and... Uh, and get back up to the spot where I got hit in the face with an RPG and remember that there might be an RPG there. Uh, I find that rather. Yeah, I guess that's cool. I was going to say that uh, <laughs> an example between difficult and unfair is like Mega Man 3 is... Mega Man 2 is difficult, but like Mega Man 9 is unfair because like Mega Man 9 will have these enemies that just jump out of a pit at you like as you jump. So, like, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to jump over the pit and then pull yourself back to the platform to let the enemy start to go down before you jump over it again. That just feels kind of weird. I think that it's that kind of thing is stupid in a game that's meant to be for everyone, but works when that's what you're trying to do, like that I want to be the guy game. I want to be the guy is just kind of a dumb thing, though. It's and not it's ilk. No, it is, it is dumb, but... Um, they, I saw people doing it at um, playing it at Evo 2012, and it was actually pretty cool because when you've got one guy who's trying to do it, and you've got a room full of people trying to root for him and giving suggestions about how he could avoid, you know, uh, Zongief's lariat coming from out of nowhere, it's kind of cool. Um, in I think that, that respect, the, I was gonna say Go that my distinction is like. If you have, like, only one precise way to, to achieve a goal in a game, like, the design only allows for, like, jump exactly here, like, land exactly there, like, perform this task completely perfectly, that's frustrating. But if you have sort of, you know, some wiggle room and the game's a challenge and you can sort of find your way through it a little bit better, that um, adds a layer of fairness. Hmm. I found that the challenge levels in Rayman Origins, which are the ones for the like the red rubies that are supposed to be super hard, um, generally were like very much of that like execute perfectly variety. Of course, that game had the added problem of being a bit buggy, so it was a bit weird in that regard. But yeah, I, that, that's not so much fun. Would you say it's unfair? Mm, I mean. It's. I mean, the question of fairness in games is is almost weird. I mean, it's just like, do I want to engage with what they came up with or not? Is kind of, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, pretty subjective. Uh, like, unfair it, to one person is is fair or fun to another person, especially in you know in multiplayer games. I feel like it's unfair that twelve year olds have played Call of Duty way more than me, and so when I just show up, I'm dead immediately. Um, yeah. You know, that but that's that's entirely subjective. They've Then again, if a game rewards that sort of uh play, that, you know what I mean? Like if a game game is a 
about memorization and much what they could do to mitigate that from a design perspective, but it's certainly not necessarily a question that can't be debated. Yeah, well, I, I didn't really mean um, that there's anything they can do about that, because obviously we're, we're talking about the kinds of uh, difficult versus unfair that, that developers can actually really fully control. I know you are, but I mean, don't you think that there's actually a, a, a discussion that's potentially to be had there about like maybe creating multiplayer that doesn't reward like incessant practice? Or I mean, everyone inevitably gets better at things as they try them. Like, just you know, go back to I was talking about playing theater. Then, like when I first started playing it, there was no way I could play the like, you know the hard difficulty, and now like you know I can get an S rank on like the songs that I didn't think I could even pass when I first started playing the game it's just natural through playing games that you get like that but yeah, yeah. i think uh, teams like team matchups are kind of the 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 solution on the multiplayer side so that you know someone stronger can carry someone a bit weaker how has the beat 'em up genre evolved in the past 20 years the beat 'em up genre God. Like like Double Dragon? Yes, exactly like Double Dragon. I would say we've evolved from Double Dragon to God Hand and then kind of nowhere else since then. No, Castle Crashers. Well, I mean, Castle Crashers is probably the most successful example of the beat-em-up genre in current games by far. Man, I sure didn't like that game, though. It also doesn't feel to me like an evolution. It feels like a beat-em-up with some features added to it. And I'm saying that as someone who enjoyed the game. It's, it's yeah, like no, a, hey, fun. remember games like this? Yeah. Well, it's got uh, clever, uh, like, I mean, it's not incredibly innovative, but it does have clever, like, RPG mechanics, unlocking. Like, it's very well put together from that kind of perspective, although I'm not sure it's a, you know... Yeah, it's like, when you talk about God Hand being an evolution, I think that's more of a, like, here is a new way of looking at the genre, whereas Castle Crashers is, here is a, like, old way of looking at the genre with new lens or something. Like, what is what is the genre? Like, what is the the defining principle of it is... That you're punching people and you have the same moves. Well, yeah. for me, like Double Dragon is, you have the same three or four moves and you just, uh, you, you use those over and over and over again. Usually, the, the same guy, you just kind of pound on him over and over and then maybe they'll fall and get back up. And your motivation for playing is that you get to see new backgrounds, new levels, you know, a boss who's a new color. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that it has evolved into something else that, um, you know, God of War and Heavenly yeah. Sword and the Batman games are the beat-em-ups of today. It, it just, the, the punching dudes as a, as a genre has turned into that. It moved into the 3D space and became more of a kind of, uh, uh, less of about a pixel distance thing than a timing and 3D area. Frame sort of counting thing. sort of stuff. I mean, most of the good, by which I mean successful, 3D brawlers, and I know somebody's going to hate on me for saying this, but most of them don't really test your spatial perception of anything beyond the character you're controlling and the enemy that you're fighting, that you're trying to kill right now. I know that Ninja Gaiden is the only one I can think of where the environment is, like, really, really crucial. Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 for the Xbox and the 360, where jumping off walls and flipping off walls and running up ceilings and whatever is really in there. But a lot of those games, Bayonetta, Devil May Cry or whatever, it's just 
here's this magically sealed circle of fire where a bunch of demons are teleporting in and you've got to kill them, you know? Yeah, yeah but to your point... The, I'm sorry. Ahead. I was going to say, just like to your point, like with Bayonetta, there's actually... and Which I think is a fantastic game and probably my favorite game this generation is like a um, segregation between things like the fighting and then the other. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, the between the fighting and the... Uh, Devil May Cry puzzles, basically, where there's, like, okay, Devil May Cry 4 has, and I think I brought this up in a piece of writing somewhere before, but who the heck is gonna know, you know, who the heck's read that? But, uh, like, you, you go into a, there's, there's literally a hallway in, like, the first act of the game, and there's a door on your left as, as you walk down the hallway, and it's like the door is locked by a magical force, and then you go to the end of the hallway, and there's, like, another door, and it says you need a key to open this door, and seeing that you need a key to open the door triggers a cutscene showing you the magically locked door, and it opens. And you go in the magically locked door, and there's just a treasure chest at the end of the hall that has a key in it. <laughs> like, and then you go, you get the key, unlock the door, go outside, and then a, a, a wall of fire appears around you, and now you're fighting a bunch of demons. It's like that's... I The thing about God Hand is there's none of that. God Hand's just keep going, you know, and kill all the dudes. It's like Double Dragon doesn't ever... Try to put that that veneer of depth into it, but I tell you what's uh, what's not an evolution is is El Shaddai. Just going off what you were saying there, Tim. Oh yeah, and because uh, that game you've got exactly the same set of moves pretty much throughout the whole time until it changes it up on you a little bit. But pretty much you're just you have three different weapon types and you have moves that's it and really the only motivation to get through it is to see the pretty backgrounds so that is like that is like the modern beat-em-up I would say because there's it's not that fun yeah. you just have to do the same repetitive thing but the backgrounds are like hey cool yeah. now I'm looking at that fantastic I think that the simple double dragon you know now the sun is setting now you're in the mountains uh, thing has evolved into stuff like God of Wars uh dramatic Hollywood blockbuster plot line. And that's and cool. boss battles. Yeah, I feel like the brawler is almost the omni genre for these uh uh for what we would call a hardcore action game. It's like you know, I I I've never played through a God of War game because I just get god darn bored, but they're fantastic products, I guess. Mm-hmm. I would say that war. you're 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 maybe giving them a little more credit than they deserve, at least based on my uh what I've I like oh, I didn't Bayonetta. play too much three. I mean, I liked one. I would but... rather play Bayonetta than God of War any day, and I think Bayonetta's story is trash. And uh, yeah, but I, I, I mean, I don't like any of the characters, and I don't like the way Bayonetta looks. But the game feels great, and it's designed <laughs> very smartly and cleverly. Someone's coughing. I would say that uh, Batman is an evolution of the punching and fighting, just in that it, it gives you different animations and feels very fluid so you can actually feel like Unreal Natural Woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Who would win in a fight? Master Chief or a Charizard? Oh my god. (laughs) Oh god, those flamethrowers really hurt you in Halo. Yeah. Man, I don't know. May I remind you, in case you're unaware that in the official Pokedex, it is said that Charizard's flame can melt, quote, literally anything. Whoa. Whoa. Man, those darn Pokemon 
game people they they just throw around too many goddamn big words. Is what also, they do. Charizard I'm looking now is five feet tall and two hundred pounds. Holy jeez! So much bigger than you might have anticipated. Pretty dense. Charizard is I the answer. Charizard was bigger. I thought he was like eight feet tall or something. No, that's no. But you know, some of them are very big. There's actually there's Pokemon that are like whale sized and stuff. I was I was reading. I I played through Pokemon Black. This year is the first Pokemon game I ever played, and I sort of fell into the, uh, like, the Bulba Garden wiki hole uh, <laughs> and TV tropes, like, Nightmare Fuel Pokemon. Uh, I recommend Googling, like, Nightmare Fuel Pokemon stuff from TV tropes. It's it's quite entertaining. There's a lot of fucked up shit in this game. Um, I do have a question about this. Does Master Chief have a Pokeball? Does... Ooh. Um, no, I don't think Master Chief has a Pokeball. I, okay, I, guess, I think no we have to assume that he comes equipped with whatever he has in the game, and that's not a Pokeball. He uh, still has to win before he can use the Pokeball anyway. Yeah, I, mean, I guess he's got that Cortana USB, which is kind of like a Pokeball, but except for AIs. Yeah. Uh, does Charizard have a trainer? Um, the wild dumb Charizard? This is a trained Charizard. Wait, so if the Charizard is trained... Then Master, Master Chief, Chief can just kill the trainer. Doesn't mean the Pokemon will stop. Doesn't I, I, it? We don't know. We don't know the fiction of what happens. You can never actually kill it. There's there's no context in which you... That's interesting, but then can't the trainer... I don't know, like... Yeah, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't that enrage Charizard further? Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure there have been episodes of the Pokemon anime where Ash has been incapacitated, and that made Pikachu all the fiercer. Pikachu mm -hmm. shocks him to, uh, to wake him up. Start so I guess again. I guess I guess Charizard. I guess that's it. Yeah, I don't Charizard? see around this. So. I don't know, man. Master Chief has like, like what's what's the distance though? How far away? It like what 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 is the venue for the fight? I Where imagine open air. Open air? You uh, mean like in the sky? No, not in the sky. I mean like on a field. I imagine them on opposite ends of a football field. Yeah, football field is a great uh, is great. Is, is there a march? Is the marching band playing the Halo theme music or the <laughs> theme music? They the are playing music better. Oh man, so the stars are going to be all pumped up during that. Then they're doing a dubstep mashup remix. No, okay. no. I'm sure that would sound really, really great <laughs> by a marching band. So, so it's, it sounds like Charizard has the home field advantage because they're playing his song. But uh, does does Master Chief get a warthog? Uh, sure, let's give him a warthog. Uh, see, then that's basically no contest. Well, Charizard can fly. thing about Charizard is, again, in the Pokedex, it says that Charizard can fly up to 5,400 feet in the air. Wow. That um, is really this is really no contest here. Yeah. That's, that's terrifying. Well, here's the thing, here's the <laughs> thing to think about. That hang on, back. hang on. Oh, sorry. He, yeah, he, can, he can melt literally anything, right? He can melt literally anything? But, but we've seen that things uh, don't melt uh, from a direct hit from Charizard, so that has to mean that there is a certain uh, time that it takes oh. for a thing to melt, if right? I also have a certain... There's something else you're not even... He fights a Blastoise. He's not going to kill the Blastoise, though. Oh, What's oh. the build of the Charizard? What is the Geo. build? Because you're talking about... You only have four attacks. It's, it's a Pokemon, so do the person... Yeah. Best ones. Which attacks that we have? That's a good question. <laughs> have like I, don't, I don't have an answer for you. I imagine fly is one. What if he, but this is, 
Leader. These are great. Uh, these are great. I'm reading quotes from from the g- different games over the years. Charizard, it can quickly melt glaciers weighing ten thousand tons. Frank, that <laughs> add to your. Wow. Uh, uh, let that, that let me remind you about Master Chief. That Master Chief has fallen through Earth's atmosphere and has burned up on reentry and has not gotten a scratch. I so care. when, when oh, Charizard then, burns a hole through the earth and he falls into the molten core, he'll be okay. Master Chief is copyrighted, so Nintendo can't mention him. In the oh, no. Box. So maybe they say literally anything. They're supposed to just pretend Master Chief doesn't exist. I have a loophole. It's possible he can't melt Master Chief. It's what is loophole. the loophole? However, it never turns its fiery breath on any opponent weaker than itself. Oh, oh man. man. Humble. What a cheese ball. So, well, I think, well, how how are we determining? I think weaker, that is. Though, is I that think just, that's yeah. the wild Charizard specifically. I think if it's trained, you can get it to attack. That <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you that's... you can beat that out of it. I think <laughs> <laughs> it's breath inflicts terrible pain on enemies. Yes, oh, it is. Well, Charizard no. fire burns hotter if it has experienced harsh battles. So mm-hmm. Master Chief has a force field on his god darn suit. Yeah, but the the flame can can melt the force field. It can melt literally anything. Thirty yeah. okay. seconds. There's another question. What type is Master Chief? Because if Master Chief is the correct Master type, Chief he can just kill it easily. It'll be obviously steel type. He's rock yeah. type. Super effective. He's rock uh, type. He's like a rock Chevrolet truck. Okay. I think final answer is Charizard, right? Final answer Charizard. Charizard. Final answer Charizard. Final answer Charizard. I'd rather I'd, I'd root for Master Chief though. Uh, So would I. Everyone loves an underdog. Design a game for the Oculus Rift uh, visor. Oh, Rift visor. Oh, God, that guy. I will, uh, okay, let's have um, Mario Tennis, um, Tetris, Bomberman. Mario Flash. (laughs) It's like Mario Mario World. Yeah, uh, Telerobox. Mario World. Is that what you're getting at? (laughs) Yeah, sure. What's, what's. Oh my God! Galactic Pinball. They got one point five million dollars. Yeah, they got, and they're going to get more too. God darn it! I need to kickstart something. I'm going to kickstart a retarded piece of hardware. Tim, you already (laughs) promised on Tim, you already promised on Facebook that Action Button would not have a Kickstarter. We'll never have a Kickstarter. Yeah, start a subsidiary that can have one. Yeah, Oculus Rift has head tracking as well as just being a three D visor, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So nightmare too. So do you have to like stand up and like rotate? Well, they say it's going to be compatible with it's, it's going to be compatible head. with the new Doom Three and Doom Four. Doom Three BFG edition, yeah. Or they should just call it a DOP edition, by which I mean Day One Purchase Edition, and also Dope. <laughs> <laughs> it's what they should call Doom BFG. Uh, it, yeah, I guess make a snide joke about Doom Three, and then it made itself. Everybody right here on this podcast. If you ain't buying Doom 3 BFG edition, you get right out of the city. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm waiting for Doom 3. Uh, I'm waiting for the BFF edition. Yeah. There's, a, there's a 0% chance I will buy Doom 3 anything edition. Well, guess what, Christian Nutt? You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Doom 3 best friendship <laughs> is magic. I'm going to cry real hard. I really do not want to design a game for that thing. Um, yeah, I don't even... I hate putting lenses in front of my eyes. It seems terrible. I've been wearing glasses instead of contact lenses because, well, first of all, I can't wear contact lenses and I'm bitter. And second of all, just because I want to touch their eyeball. Who'd want something... Who would want their TV just breathing right on their face? Yeah, that's a gross thing. I mean, really. 
Well, apparently one point five million dollars worth of people. Six thousand one hundred and thirty weird rubes. Six thousand one hundred thirty-one weird rubes worldwide. The number just automatically updated as if I you donated wow. to that visor <laughs> thing, and you are listening to this podcast. Turn it off right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah get out, weird rube. Let's get the double. So- the weird rube edition of this podcast. It would be a game about looking at stuff, right? Yeah, no, it would so, be. It would be jumping. Oh yeah, jumping. How about uh, the witness? No, I'm, yeah. thinking, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, we bring back the supermarket sweep IP. Oh nice. yeah, yeah. It's a game about running through the supermarket and finding the most expensive items with your eyeballs, and then uh, putting them in your cart. That sounds great. Four. That's what. Make That's jump. so you can get the casual market. Yeah. I just want to get Jumping Flash on the uh, PS3 game archives and play yeah. that with, in, with, uh, in my face. Yeah, I would recommend doing that. I have it on. I have Jumping Flash one and two uh, on my game archives. They've been some high quality. I've got, I've got uh, Rito Monja as well. I've got a. I've got the real disc. That's great. I, I only have the virtual fake disc of that. So but, a supermarket sweep. Our answer here. No, Jumping Flash. Jumping Flash. Okay. No, we can. No, the, no. It, it's the witness, but. It's it's the sequel to The Witness, which John Blow is going to have to make when The Witness fails. The Murder Witness. So you're actually watching somebody get killed. It's like a, a 3D murder simulator. How about you make a game where you're a serial killer? Just like nobody has the cojones or the stones to make this game. Do you, uh, do you play as, like, Count Chocula? Or, uh... Sneaking into people's houses and, and killing them in their sleep. I thought that was what the Burger think? King game. No, you're killing them. You're not giving them hamburgers. <laughs> you're, you're killing them uh, quicker than you are as a king. He's killing them slowly. Yeah, yeah. I, wa- I want to get in there, and I want to just, like, really, really kill somebody, you know? With Unreal Engine 4, you know, like, just, like, murder. And then you've got to get out of their house because they scream real loud and the cops are coming. I, I would uh, I would like it to star Count Chocula. He's sneaking in to murder uh, Toucan Sam. And the the Irish dude from Lucky Charms. And, Brandon, uh, you really Lucky. need to, Lucky. Brandon, Brandon, you really need to read Breakfast of the Gods. Okay, I'd read that. Yeah, it's what a web the, it's a web comic about uh, serial mascots kind of attacking each other and teaming up and going on adventures. And I think you would really enjoy it. I think it's the Hunger Games with all of the serial mascots. It'd be Trix Rabbit. Oh sure, he's had years. Years of getting kicked in the balls by those kids. <laughs> More so than Tony the Tiger? Tony the Tiger, man, he's a goddamn tiger. He could kill those yeah. kids. Yeah. He must like it. There is no what way about that, that uh, Trix Rabbit is beating Tony the Tiger. No, no. Trix Rabbit has more passive aggression built up over the years. Maybe they could team up. 6,032 uh, backers now. This is making guy. me think of, uh, of um, Sandman of Doll's House as well. Thanks to the uh, yeah the serial killer convention. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah mislabeled as the serial convention. You know, we so, just read that again this a, week. What a crazy coincidence! A, a CC edition. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying, the murder witness would be the game where you're uh, you're just like a disembodied uh, soul of somebody getting murdered because that's that's how it's uh, and you're just kind of floating around. You're witnessing yourself getting murdered? Yeah, that's why it's like a, it's like a witness. The the word witness is a sort of like a metaphor because you're witnessing your own death, but who are you going to tell? 
is someone really witnessing something if they don't get a chance to test it? Why is the Tales many- of series worth my time if I've already played literally any other JRPG? Oh, well, I guess this is my question. Is it sure is. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, okay, so I wrote about this, obviously, but the quick answer is, well, I mean, first of all, they're actually really fun. I mean, I think that people tend to, I mean, as a fan of the genre, a long-standing fan of the genre, I think people tend to look at the genre as kind of homogenous, much more than it is, because generally it gets reduced to, like, reduced into, it's the push-X-to-win genre, which, you know... Not really. Tales games in general have a tendency to actually put effort into the gameplay systems. Uh, fairly significant effort to make them fun from an action perspective and then also make them fun from a like, character building perspective. You know, Case in point would be Tales of Graces F, which came out uh, for the PlayStation 3 semi-recently. It has really, really responsive, fun, just like... It's a game where you look forward to the battles, which is, you know, relatively rare. And then the, like, you're constantly, constantly, constantly getting little drip feed rewards, uh, raising your characters because they did a very ingenious sort of little system where you're constantly unlocking new badges and you're constantly getting new little abilities or boosts. Dripping so, rewards. I like it drippy. It's, it's a nice, it, they're nice games. They, I mean, they tendency, I mean, people, I think they tendency to look at them and go, hey, this is anime garbage. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that I really like about the games is they have a plan for every game. Like, they sit down, they have, like, months of meetings before they start making the game. They design the characters, and they they design the characters forward-thinking, going, who is this guy? You know, what does he do? Yeah. What's his motivation in the story? How does he fit into the plot? What's our story about? It's not like Final Fantasy, where they go, we're going to have a whole lot of stuff. And there's going to be like a flying motorcycle somewhere. I think, you know, it's like it's like there's going to be like a rhinoceros-sized ghost motorcycle, and one of the levels is a racetrack, sort of with some circus tents in the background. It's like it's like okay, you know, good job, guys. Whereas with Tales of, they they're just like, yeah, the game is about this. This is the theme of the game. At the beginning, this is going to happen, and at the end, this is going to happen. And I think I've played maybe like eight of them. I'm not sure how many of them there are now. There's probably like 30 games in the series now. But uh, my favorite one was Tales of Rebirth, uh, where the main character is this really cool-looking dude with, like, blue hair. He's, like, with this whitish blue hair, and he's wearing, like, a blue breastplate, right? And he's, like, he's like very monochromatically designed. And it's in this world where magic is, like, a freakish, feared kind of power. And uh, this guy has ice magic. For some reason. And it's like your main character is a guy who can only do ice magic. They like start from somewhere like that. That's kind of cool. Like to make a decision like that. Whereas with Final Fantasy 13, they're going to be like, this is lightning. She's uh, well named after the, 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 the concept of lightning. But, you know, she can do anything anybody else can because we don't really know what we want you to do with this game. So here's everybody with everything. Have fun. You know, I interviewed the, uh, the producer of it. Did you? Did was he cool? He was. He was not cool, but I, it didn't really matter. Um, he talking about like the like it's anime garbage and stuff. I actually asked why they always have an anime cutscene at the beginning of the game when probably a lot of people in the U.S. especially will just hit X and skip it. 
or whatever, whatever their button, button of, of choice, choice is. is. And uh, he said that it's kind of this thing in in Japanese packaged games where you, you go to the store, you buy this thing, and you uh, want to feel like you've, you're starting to have an experience. Like, this is the journey that I'm going to go on. And this, this anime intro uh, sets the tone for that. And it, it's, it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about that because it feels like a, a thing that's kind of going to go away a little bit because the, the experience of getting the game and going on an experience and just having that be your one thing that you do it seems like that's that's diminishing over time as 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 things get more digital and more schizophrenic and you've got your steam queue with 50 things you haven't played yet in it yeah it's the consumer expectations it's like the people know what they want and they know that if they buy a tale people who like tales of games know they're going to get it it's it's a brand name you know yeah i agree with what you said about the characters and i think it's worth pointing out because and i don't even think i pointed this out adequately in my thing that i wrote but like yes it is on the face of it like you know your your pink haired anime whatever like it's very much like aesthetically that and not to say that it doesn't contain a lot of the tropes and it does it absolutely does but they do take care to make like you don't think you're going to get sucked into the characters because you think you I've seen this kind of crap before, but generally they do, as you said, put effort into thinking about who these people are, how they fit into the thing. And there's something about each of the characters that goes beyond sort of like laziness or pandering to actually go, huh, I'll enjoy when this person talks. You know, I mean, generally the plots do tend to spin out of control into sort of endless like plot twist after plot twist after plot twist after nonsense. But there's there's like a 1980s, 1990s anime quality to it where a lot of there's that that fine wine quality that some weird anime people talk about in anime voice acting. You know how like some people are like voice acting aficionados. Right. But it's like there's actual you actually are entertained when these people are talking in the Tales of... I haven't played them very recently, but it's like... There's Akio Otsuka in Tales of Rebirth. He's like... Oh, man. We are now halfway through my question list. The insert credit bladders are getting pretty full, so we'll be right back after a short break. My name is James Howell. I'll describe the most fun weapon in a game by starting with one of the least fun. Mega Man's Mega Buster. Mega Man once chucked hard-boiled cyber eggs at the opposition until the NES's Mega Man 3. This game granted him the power to charge a shot three times as strong, and it lets you hold on to that charge as long as you held the B button down. I understood one day that this kept power is not fun. Running between screens, avoiding enemies that I knew that monster blast would trash, when I had it, I was always waiting to use it, always waiting for something stronger. That's not fun. That's training for future hoarding. By contrast, fun is Travis Touchdown's sword in No More Heroes. The first one, not the second, which, as far as I'm concerned, came out of a series crossover between No More Heroes and crap. Impact satisfy with slowdown to assure you that, yes, Virginia, you're working that beam through organic grass-fed human gristle. The food-themed power-ups in the game, such as the raspberry chocolate sundae or the blueberry cheese brownie grant Travis and, by extension, the sword, heighten attributes that are temporary. That's important. You've got slicing flurries, projectile blasts, and one-hit diagonal strike kills, and you've got them for about 10 seconds. Long enough to taste power and long enough to realize it's going away. It is, in a sense, elegiac. Nothing in the end will stand. The sense of impact combines with temporary and varied abilities, forcing several recognitions to overlap. You attain and lose power in the same surge moment. 
This dilemma forces you into the moment and, truly, I think, into the game. Welcome back to episode six of the Insert Credit Podcast. I'm Alex Gorblax Jaffe. Joining me is Frank Cifaldi. Oh, hello again. Tim Rogers. <sighs> Brandon Sheffield. I'm still here. And Christian Nutt. Let's positive thinking. Let's positive thinking, everybody. WT. What is the prettiest looking game ever made? Prettiest looking? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. My Little Pony, Pretty Pretty Pony Adventure. <laughs> That's, not, That's a real not a real game. game. No, the prettiest looking game ever made is uh, Zelda Wind Waker. So I guess we're done with that one right there. Uh, I will, yeah. I think. <laughs> well, is that the prettiest, or is that just sort of the best art directed game, which is kind of a, a different question? It's best art directed, and it ha- also has the best execution of art direction. Uh, mm. I'm, I am no Nintendo fanboy. I'm, I'm not nearly. Uh, what do you call it? What's the, I was going to try to think of a mean word. I don't want to offend anybody. I was going to say I'm not nearly ugly enough for that. You're not mouth breathing. That's enough. so mean. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mouth breathing enough to be. Uh, a Nintendo fanboy, but God darn it, that game had all the right ideas. And well, of course, uh, so its fan base rejected it. Aesthetic basis. And then the fan base was like, I mean, literally, people on NeoGaf back when it was still Gaff, they were like, I would be embarrassed to buy this. It's like, yeah, okay. And then you know they got their Lord of the Rings Zelda uh, announced at a press conference, and I was I was there. We were all there, yeah. weren't we? We were uh, at yeah. the Nintendo press conference where they showed that Zelda and people just bellowing like they'd won a high school football game. And I'm like, well, there there goes that one. There's a standing ovation. I remember. Yeah, standing. I remember people crying. I was yep. at that press conference. It was really creepy, man. Well, well let's, let's get to die. Uh, El Shaddai is a good one. I would actually say parts of Final Fantasy 13. No, it's not a great game but parts of it like i think lake brescia is the best thing the crystal lake uh is very very beautiful there there were scenes in final fantasy 13 where i was playing it you know and i was like i don't know i mean i played it over the christmas break in america in like in my parents bedroom like i was sitting on my parents bed playing it on their 50 inch hd tv which is a fantastic idea, by the way. I should have a TV by my bed. So I'm just playing it in there, and I'm like, man, I don't know what any of this stuff is, but yeah, this looks really good. It's like you can sell some HD TVs with that game. Would you really say that Wind Waker's aesthetic is better than, say, Okami's? Yes. Yeah. It sure. it involves a whole bunch of stylistic decisions. I liked the uh, art direction in... Legend of Xanadu 2 uh, for the PC Engine because I really like very um, dense pixel art stuff that is very purposefully created and that's one of the the better commercial games that was like that. Do you want to talk about the prettiest aesthetic? Just So you're saying pretty, like, are you expecting us to put some sort of a, like, a, what do you call it? Nice ribbon. to look at. Like you're not you're not saying what just what our favorite look is. It's like no, not, it's nice to look at for everybody. Uh, everybody, every guy. Well, it's it's Call of Duty, isn't it? Yeah. No, the, no, Call of Duty's gross to look at. 
No, that's for everybody. We're talking about everybody. Everybody's not us. Well, talk about, I mean, everybody, That that's another, now you're going to get into the definition of who everybody is. Probably Diner Dash. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, yeah, the Zynga like, aesthetic is the prettiest aesthetic, objectively. For everybody. Yeah. Well, seem to I get. think we got, this got, it's like, yeah, Thomas Kincaid is the prettiest for everybody, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't think of. What, I mean, it would have to be a game with static imagery. It has to be a two D game. Last um, Express has a pretty good look. Last Express is very pretty, but I don't think. I don't think it's the prettiest. I have some problems with the way the characters look. I am astounded um, by how beautiful the sprites are in the new Persona Four Arena. Yeah, Persona Four Arena is gorgeous. I'll, I'll back you up on that. Not just the sprites. I think the backgrounds are just totally gorgeous. That game is really good looking. Yeah, aesthetically, and also they did a very good job with the adapting the persona aesthetic to like the arc system works, like you yeah. know, like skill set. Aesthetically, you know I mean? those blaze blue guys really know what they're doing. Yeah, I guess if you're into that sort of thing, it doesn't uh, really do it for him. Bird Strike has yeah. a real fluidity to the character motion. That, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's. Yeah. I almost think that Street Fighter Three is the best looking video game of all time. Maybe. It's really really nice looking. It's mm-hmm. really nice looking. Characters move nice, but. uh According to the internet, you know, people are like, you know, obviously when Street Fighter 4 came out, what was the, uh, they're just like, yeah, let's just make it look like, I think, I think Street Fighter 4 technically, visually is, is god darn fantastic looking. Me but too. I don't like the characters. I, I mean, I'm not saying anything about the, the model really suck too. Game, uh, and the look is great. I just, I just wish that it was all the Street Fighter Three characters and and or not all, and new weird characters in it instead of uh, I, I want more new weird characters. Is what well, I there were new weird characters, not enough of them. I want the characters. Weird. I want uh, weird and unpleasant. I think the Street Fighter Four new characters stink character design wise, and I, I, you got a problem with Rufus. Rufus is awful. Rufus is at the he well for that game it's okay. Like Jury or Julie or whatever her goddamn name is is terrible. Yeah, she's that, that that oily guy whose name I forget is terrible. I play a yeah. lot of Street Fighter Four, as you can see. Yeah, uh, oily guy. He's uh, my main. Yeah, Hakan. Hakan. Yeah, Hakan. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. Like- Gokan is pretty gross looking, actually. Yeah, but I mean the 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 way the technique, the graphical technique in that is just really fantastic, and uh, all the little. Uh, Sticks and thumps and sticks. may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, dude. Cavio was originally founded as a studio to make video game adaptations of Studio Ghibli properties. Could that have been a good idea? Yes. Yes. Uh, At the time, I mean, how long ago? When, um, they, when they got started. Which was Which when. when? I would have to look that up, but just um, the conversation is more about. Let's see, could the caveat, could the Studio Ghibli properties have been good games? Okay, that was if, they, if they were all if they were all licensed um, hidden object games, where there's a static image and you're looking for stuff and then you click and then you find it. Absolutely, we need Kavya more was, of those. Kavya was founded in the year two thousand. Okay. See, okay, disregarding Frank's uh, joke answer, I would say that since 98% of good Japanese games are stealing stuff from Ghibli movies, yeah. the heck not. You know, and officially licensed ones, uh, they could have done god darn anything. They yeah, the, the trouble with those guys is they weren't, they weren't about um, the kind of 
gentle, loving aesthetic. So they would have had to make basically like Nausicaa and uh, Porco Rosso, and that's it. I would have totally played a Porco Rosso game with my whole Me too. Kavya did manage to eke out a Steam Boy game, and I heard that was okay. Uh, I heard it was not. I heard it was god darn terrible because I played the whole thing. Ah, I you played heard every from you. I played every Kavya game ever except Nier. So you gotta get on that Nier, man. That's a yeah. Nier's the best. I've even played their. Dra- you know why I haven't played it? Because I'm really busy and I want to have a time to sit down and play it all the way through with my headphones on. You know, like I- I'm gonna play it. God darn it. In a few years, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe in a couple of months. Maybe My personal the... mantra is play near every year. Play near <laughs> every year. I'm yeah. gonna try and start I'm gonna try and keep good on that starting this year. But man, where where were you guys when I was talking about Ghost in the Shell standalone complex for uh the PlayStation and talking about how it's the best game ever? Los and Angeles. if you have one? And Cavi is fantastic, and they're they're yeah. geniuses for this game. And I was probably fantastic. getting laid. Nice. Well, guess what? Yeah. What? So I okay. oh. <laughs> while playing Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Do you have it? Wow. By the way, do you have it? I you used to have it. I don't think I do anymore. Do you, I have it. Did you ever play it, Christian Nutt? I've played. I played a bit of it. I played like the beginning. I don't know. You know, hour, hour and a half ish type thing. It's so, so idiotically good, and uh, nobody likes it or ever talks about it. Did you ever play Winback 2? Yeah. What did you think of that? That was pretty good. It didn't really uh, didn't really do it for me. Oh, wait, Winback 2? Mm-hmm. No, I only played Winback. Oh, it's Winback 2 is the one Cavia made. Oh, yeah, I played Winback, and I didn't really care for it. Oh, did you that- know that Cavia also made Korg DS10? They sure did. Yeah, I did know that. Those are bros. I, I played that one as well. I, but I don't know if they totally made it or if they were just involved in it. Cause, uh, I think they held up the technical aspect of it. AQI is, was a very confusing studio with uh, sharing of properties in persons. And no brand identity and a logo that looks like it took three minutes in Photoshop to make. Yeah, when, when I was in Taiwan, I went to this place that, uh, man, I wish I could. It, it, oh, yeah, it was called AQ. And it basically used the AQI logo, and and they had a drink there that um, that had a very similar look to the Kavia logo, and I was real confused. And those guys just had no idea what I was talking about when I tried to ask about that. Were they gamer bros? They were not. They were just r- regular bros. It, it was a place where you could get um, <clears throat> a shot for. Uh, 0.5 Taiwanese dollars, which is like zero money. Um, That's kind of weird. And they had all kinds of alcohols in there, and uh, that you could have and get yourself real drunk, real fast, real cheap in a semi-classy looking setting. But yeah, that was that was uh, AQ. I bet they just looked up uh, AQ on the internet and tried to find a logo, and then Caviar also came up in Google Images. That probably explains it. They're like, oh, that's a pretty good logo too. That's my guess. Yeah. I think that a Porco Rosso video game would be the best because you'd be walking around as Porco Rosso and then you'd be flying a plane as Porco Rosso. I, I think want Nausicaa. I want Nausicaa. I want to be flying on that, that little weirdo thing and I want it to be sometimes Panzer Dragoon and sometimes uh, an exploratory kind of game what thing. About, what about Laputa? I want to run surf in Ponyo. 
Yeah, I want to play Ponyo real hard. I want to. Yeah, but Kavya couldn't do a good Ponyo really because they're not that kind of gentle happiness guys. Yeah, they could make it weird. There's there's some weirdness in in Ponyo. There's always something in like Spirited Away has like all these like climactic parts that I think could make a video. Oh, man, game Spirited out. Away would be a great Kavya game. Yeah, there'd be all kinds of fighting and destroying and psychotic stuff happening. I'd that whole no face thing totally up their alley. I think flying around in a Porco Rosso airplane would be my favorite thing. Monoke Hime, that'd be pretty cool. Monoke Hime running on rooftops and uh, running through the forests. I would, uh, I think that they could just, uh, I mean, they they made Nier, which is apparently big and dense and has a lot of crap. Bullet Witch, man, I would just play a Nausicaa game that's just like Bullet Witch. Mm Mm-hmm. And with cell shaded graphics. I'd be all over that. I'd take all my clothes off and play that game. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely what I would do. Nausicaa Witch. Bullet Witch is so good. Nausicaa Valley of the Bullet Witch. So I think the answer is yes. Yes. The answer is yes. And that's exactly at the six-minute mark. Good job, guys. Wonderful. How did you envision the falsely prophesied perfect fable game? Oh, my God. I didn't. The end. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. Brandon just got a right answer. <laughs> I could, I could, the funny thing about playing Fable 1, which I did, was I, like, at that time, that was sort of when, you know, as a console gamer type person, like, with the Xbox One coming out, there was, like, suddenly a reconvergence of, like, high-profile Western games that there kind of hadn't been on consoles for a while. And, like, I went, you know, I had all these expectations sort of fed to me by people who played PC games in the interim, which was not who I was. And I went in with this, like, really big idea of, like, how fucking cool and emergent and weird and interesting Fable was going to be, and then it wasn't. Yeah, the people, so, brother, who were interested, who, who played Fallout, but didn't really play Fallout, you know, because I played some Fallout, but then I'm like, yeah, I guess this is okay. And then, but my brother would be like, Fables can be the best game ever. But like like he was saying about like when Fallout, when he first played Fallout, he's like, Fallout is the best game ever, dude. You can kill anybody in it. It's like <laughs> that was that was his explanation for a Fallout being the best game ever, was that you could kill anybody in it. And so that was what he was expecting from Fable and Yeah. My uh my ex girlfriend loved Fable, the first one, and uh could not explain why, and uh, that's kind of always been my impression. Did she? Yeah, Fable. that's that's. That, I, I I expected, like, I expected to be able to do things and mess up the game, kind of the way people talk about like Deus Ex. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, but you couldn't, and you couldn't really, like, you couldn't really sub like subvert the game's linearity. You couldn't really make decisions about how things are of course you know people are still trying to figure out how to do these things effectively like in a good budget with a game that holds together and stuff so it's not exactly like this is a solved problem that fable just failed to capitalize on you know you know in 2004 but you know it's got that molly new problem that uh, all those molly new games have where populace doesn't have that molly new problem no, it doesn't. But he didn't. He didn't talk it up in that way before. Before yeah. he made it. Like if he had said that, you would that's be able to. Question. That's a good. That's a good podcast question. Is what would Peter Molyneux have said about Populous if he had been saying stuff about games before? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. 
Amber, you, you made it literally you, feel like God. You made, you made <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. You, you create life, and you get to watch humans evolve. Now, I'm going to say that I have a completely unapologetic love for Fable 2. I really loved that game. I, I like stuff about that game, but there's stuff like how it's just... They, they turn everything into a goddamn grind where I can stand in town square pressing the thumbs up button over and over again until everyone in the city wants to marry me. Why is but, that not amazing? It's, it's not, it's, it's not, not amazing because it's, it's not purposeful. It's like, it's a thing it's like, that, yeah, that you can just, that it's, it's kind of like in, uh, in the, the problem they had in, uh, in EverQuest where, you know, to build up your, your jumping stats, you had to jump a lot. So there are just people wandering around the landscapes looking completely ridiculous because they're jumping the entire time to make sure that they up their jumping stats. It's it's just like, it's something that's emergent that isn't actually that... I think Crackdown had the right idea for the jumping stats with the little orbs that boost your jumping power. Crack time. Crack, Crack time. Crack time. So I think you, you hit the nail on the head, Brendan. We just like, let's reiterate that. It's not amazing because it's not purposeful. That is what's wrong with Fable. And then there's Fable's just, it's a bucket of bolts, uh, like, polish-wise, where it's like the dog will run off the path and barking, right? And you're supposed to follow him, right? Because the dog is running and barking, and the dog is right there with you. He's your best friend. But then there's, like, a sign. I don't remember the exact UI, but there's, like, the words are, like, the dog has found something. Follow him. And there's, like, an arrow pointing in the direction the dog is going. And it's, like... I can kind of buy that, but then the dog finds a treasure chest, right? And he's, like, standing by the treasure chest barking, and you see a treasure chest, and there's an arrow pointing at where the dog is, and then when you get to the dog, there's, like, an arrow pointing down, and it says treasure. It's like, isn't... That defeats isn't the, the dog, point of the like, dog. You've got, like, four different UIs explaining every single thing to you, and that's just, that kind of bothers me as well. And it's like... Yeah, I never played Fable 3. I played Fables 1 and 2. So I was going to say my that everybody I know who likes Fable 1, uh, they have they all have one thing in common. I think this is like four people. Is that they had all had a major surgery. <laughs> like Fable 1, where they're like stuck in bed with it. And they're like, well, I'm going to play this game. You know, the promise of Fable 1, even if you didn't listen to Molly New, people were tricked by it. I had a friend um, who... Didn't follow games at all. Barely ever bought new games. But just the box alone—I I forget what the marketing tagline was on it. In fact, maybe I should look it up. But you know, it was like it, it was—it was showing you the promise of being able to actually make decisions. The tagline was for every choice a consequence. Yes, yes. And my friend just saw that, and he—and he was—he like called me. He was so excited. He called me, and he's like, "You see this fable game? It's got consequences." Yeah, it's it's a game where you make you can actually make choices and it it matters and and I know you know you're kind of making fun of your brother with the you can kill everybody thing but I think that's what he was trying to say in in uh, yeah. his way Except was that this is a game where you can actually make those decisions and live with them and uh, or, I, I, and then you couldn't <laughs> yeah and then you and well, Fable, well that's the thing Fable like every what, what, it's time for our listener question. Listener Luke. question. Yeah, that's fantastic. Makes my whole week. Luke, asks, Luke Maxwell asks, why is Dragon Quest X the way that it is? First of all, more like Mook Laxwell. And second of all, what what is the way Dragon Quest X is? It's an MMO? Yeah, it's Wii. an MMO. An MMO. Like, like on, on the Wii. Wii. Does it require friend codes? You have to like put your driver's license number in? 
You have Social to Security. You know your friend's passport state of issuing in order to play it. Uh, well, we can solve the on the Wii question real fast because when they started developing it, uh, the Wii was still popular. So cash, that's, cash that's simple. Was the example? They're like, well, yeah, put it on the Wii because millions of people have Wiis. That was the reason for putting it on the Wii. And also, uh, they had their little deal with, they, they announced it was coming out, like, they announced it right alongside Dragon Quest Nine. They're like, yeah, Dragon yeah. Quest is gonna be on the Wii, it's gonna be cool. But it's like, it's an MMO, it has a one, I, I've heard that it has a one hour offline, pre-online campaign. And one then, hour. and then there Whoa. is a ten hour-ish offline campaign where you play as the protagonist's little brother or little sister. So you can do little mini quote unquote like uh, like child quests to help boost your online character in some way. I don't know. I haven't read any of the details on it because uh, I have played every Dragon Quest game. I've killed all the optional bosses in uh, all of the later ones except nine because there's literally infinite optional bosses in nine. Uh, so I've spent more than a hundred hours on every Dragon Quest game. Jim, did you okay. kill the Grand Dragon in the Game Boy Color remake of Dragon Quest Three? Yes. Whoa. Okay, so like, yeah, I played the crap out of that. That was one of the only games that I had with me when I uh, first went to Japan, uh, and I just played that on the trains all the time because that's the kind of guy I was going to Japan to play some goddamn video games. But uh, play the video games on the goddamn train. So, oh my god. Oh, yeah, so anyway, so I, I played all those games. I spent like 100 hours in Dragon Quest you know, 8 and 300 hours in Dragon Quest 7, right? And they announced Dragon Quest 10 as an MMO. And, you know, this is as a guy who replayed 4, 5, and 6 on the DS and who had replayed 6 as recently as a couple of months after Dragon Quest 10 was announced. I didn't even read anything about Dragon Quest X. I just heard it's an MMO, and I'm like, well... And I just didn't want to play it because I know it's not going to work, and I know I'm well, going to like it. Here's the question, though. The question is, why is it the way it is? And That's like, a great question. Like, So it comes right around to why would they alienate somebody like me? With well, that? I mean, I think that, obviously, 9, they became clear that they wanted to make you know, focus on connectivity, you know, playing together. So the series did have a quick evolution in this direction. This isn't the first, you know, first ever attempt at this. At least had like a 30-hour, you know, enjoy alone times campaign. Remnant of Dragon Quest Three. I had characters that I made and brought with me. Yeah. And the, the multiplayer on that was really fun. And I don't know. Maybe. I mean, do you think it's what Yuji Hori wanted, or do you think it's because the business people at Enix go and say, like, Square Enix, I should say, but, you know, like, look at what we've done, you know, look at the revenue potential of a, of, a, of an MMO. Like, do you, or do you think yeah. it's what Yuji Hori? What are the sales like for Dragon Quest Ten? Terrible. Terrible? Uh, for the series, yeah, terrible. It sold... Uh, 300K, I think. Yeah, 367, 148 copies sold in four days, according to Media Create. And that's, you know, as opposed to millions of every previous one? Yeah, like Dragon period. Quest Nine sold like 2.4 in the first week or something. I want to say Dragon Quest Two sold like a million in its first week. 14 million copies in three hours. Two? Dragon Quest Seven. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. 
Joko didn't actually sell that many. It sold like four million. <laughs> Dragon Seven sold like three point six or something. I feel like, but yes, the point is, this is going to sell significantly, no matter what. It's going to sell significantly lower uh, copies. Then again, I mean, this is pointed out that Final Fantasy XI sold much lower than a, a mainline Final Fantasy title, but also generated a lot of revenues. So it's been around for a long time, and it's like a flagship property of theirs. <laughs> they can they 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 make new updates to it every goddamn six weeks or so. They're, I mean, an expansion. There's a possibility, if you look at this, that just, you know, Yuji Hori would say, like, look, no one has successfully made a console-led, like, console-only, console MMO. Like, this is not a business that exists. This is not a challenge that's been surmounted. Why don't I take the best, most valuable IP in console games in Japan and turn it and see if I could tackle that problem? And throw it away. They should make online game where you can play online quests like Monster Hunter. With it your, should be Mingle Player. Yeah, Mingle Player, where you can play online quests like Dragon Quest Nine. I can team up with people to play yeah, on the internet. Because the co-op in Dragon Quest Nine. did you ever play it, Christian Nut? It's fun. Yeah. Oh, I played it a bunch with, uh, with my boyfriend, yeah. Like, going, going in the dungeons and hunting, like, metal towers and stuff. Like, that's really fun to do with a bunch of friends sitting around. I've barely ever played it alone. I've mostly played through it uh, co-op. And I think that, like... Like that. But everybody I know who's playing 10 right now, everybody tells me it's great. So there's that. I, I also think it's, it's interesting because it's the first game in the series that's actually been developed internally at Square Enix. I mean, you know, Enix didn't have internal development. Oh, man, I had something real funny to say. I was going to say it. It was going to be great. Go ahead and say it. I was going to say, the real the real answer, though, is if you asked Yuji Hori what, why Dragon Quest X is the way it is, he would just he would say, I'll get back to you after I've finished smoking these 40 cigarettes. <laughs> all right. Final question. You oh, guys man. are all video game journalists, right? Uh, no. I mean, Sorry, either no. accidentally or on purpose. I, so why not? Right, accidentally, sometimes, yeah. For the sake of argument, let's say yes. What is the most embarrassing article you've ever written? Oh, I know that one for me. All mine are just on purpose. Embarrassing Um, on purpose, you mean? I I write idiotic, inflammatory, nonsense, trash on purpose. So, you know, whatever. Um, You just fall down over there? Somebody fell over. I, I, breathe, I breathed into my microphone contemplatively, thinking of what my most embarrassing. No, no, no! It, it was actually someone falling over. Okay. But anyway, Christian Nutter, are you okay? Everybody, I'm all right. Yeah. I have one. I have one. Um, Video game business now. When when I, I was when I was writing for Nintendo Official Magazine UK for a while, um, they thought it'd be a really great idea to make me review the new Pokemon game because I'd never played a Pokemon game before, and they're like, "Oh, that would be interesting to get a review of that." And uh, that morphed into um, write some really interesting article about playing a Pokemon game for the first time. And and I morphed that into this very bizarre uh, first person narrative of being the being a guy suddenly thrown into this Pokemon world. And uh, it seemed like a neat idea. And then it wasn't a neat idea. And then I was on a deadline. So it just went out anyway. So your uh, most embarrassing article is Pokemon fan fiction. Uh, yes, yes. Um, uh, I printed in a magazine uh, over about six pages, I believe. And fiction, more or yeah. less. 
I think my most embarrassing, I, I have two that, that come to mind, so I'll just briefly do those. Um, I think one is the one where I wrote up um, at GDC when Yuji Naka, not Yuji Naka, sorry, um, Gunpei Yokoi posthumously really, uh, received a Lifetime Achievement Award, and his uh, son came up and thanked everybody, and I was talking about how there was not a dry eye in the house, and I called him, uh, uh, I called him Yokoi-san, and I have this thing about never doing the uh, Japanese name hyphen San because I think it's it's just that's not our language. That's not the way we would say it. And uh, every time I see Miyamoto San in an article, I just oh yeah. So so that was real embarrassing. And then another thing that was real embarrassing you guys was must uh, when hate I persona. Uh, he's all right. What persona? The guy or the game? The game. Oh, persona. <laughs> the guy is cool. <laughs> no, it, that's that. That's Atlas's fault. Anyway, the um, the other one is was in this this magazine called GameStar, which was very short lived, and uh, and it was supposed to be like more sexy and stuff. But I really needed money, so I I Sorry. wrote a preview of of uh, of Metroid Prime Two for it. Oh man, Metroid Prime Two echoes and. Um, so I was playing that thing, and they're like, "Yeah, but could you make it a little like sexy it up a little bit more?" Like, I was like, "What, what do you want me to do? You want me to freaking talk about Samus?" Bonus. And they're like, "Yeah." So what, basically, what I did was I said, "God." Um, for the, the bros out there that are expecting to play a shooting game, realize that you're playing this from this behind the eyes of a of a lady. And uh, and that was as sexed up as I could try to make it, but it, I was still embarrassed that I had to think about doing that. I did actually say, "Now you're playing as a woman. How do you feel about that?" But um, it was still uh, embarrassing. Yeah. So that's the opposite of sex. That's kind of a weird. I, I I'm really scared now of ever accidentally imagining what you would say if a girl asked you to talk dirty to her because that would. <laughs> Because I, oh, the, the, what I say is no. I know the things that I have said, but usually it's it's I, I rephrase no in a mocking tone, like uh-huh. and when a girl like stops you and is like, "Tell me what you want me to do," and you're like, "Well, right, yeah, in, in have a, a good time in a sexual <laughs> <laughs> title of the episode." I kind of do something. You know, and it's like, well, tell me what. It's like I don't want to talk about what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. I don't even really want to do it. I... <laughs> Christian Nutt, what's the most embarrassing article you've ever written? Well, the funny thing is, I mean, it's kind of like more like Brandon. I'm embarrassed by like like something I did. Like I'm particularly embarrassed by like how back in the day when I was starting out as a consumer journalist, I sort of fell into the the trap that they set up, which is like. You talk to PR, the PR tells you things, you write them down. You know what I mean? And that's sort of just embarrassing in general. Um, yeah. I remember one particular time I wrote about some licensed racing game that was based on some sort of form of racing, like existing in the real world. And the PR person like made some sort of comment like, yeah, this, this league has a woman in it. Not like NASCAR would never have a woman in it. And I wrote that in the article as a fact, and then someone wrote an angry email saying, like, yeah, there are female drivers in NASCAR, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, and I was, like, very, 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 very embarrassed. 
because I should have researched that and not just listened to what the stupid PR guy said uh, to, you know, try to sell me on writing about this this rather boring racing game. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I've gotten so many emails telling me about stuff that's wrong in the stuff I write, like details that I get wrong in reviews. But and maybe this makes me a sociopath, but I, I fact check vigorously everything I say to make sure that stuff is wrong. <laughs> Before, like, I'll be like, I wonder if that's right. And then I'll fact check and I'll go, oh, good, it's not. And then I'll, like, leave it in there just because I get this sick amusement out of these emails. Like, how dare you write for this website? You know, I've read some articles on actionbutton.net and they're really good. And then you're just here writing this trash and you didn't understand that there are three enemies in the first level and not. Uh, four. You said so the problem with when you do that is when it uh, becomes truth. Yeah. Um, because uh, most of the English-speaking population that has any interest in Takeshi's Challenge thinks that the stuff you said about Takeshi's Challenge is truth when it's not. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. It, yeah. Well, opens the door for someone like you to write uh, the truth. Guys, yeah, but let's, people settle won't remember the truth. let's settle down here, guys. Because we are about to go into everybody's favorite part of the show, the three-minute lightning round. Three, three minutes. minutes. Go. Yes, okay. the three-minute lightning round. This week, this week, I think I'm going to do uh, something a little different, something like that will alienate 100% of our listeners. In the next Good. three minutes, spoil as many endings and plot twists of as many games as you can think of. Go. Oh, okay. oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, well, this is good. First one I think of is uh, Botan Kaidos. Uh, the main character turns out to be evil and he leaves the party. In bio, That's a good one. Being mind controlled. In Red Dead Redemption, uh, you, you die anyway, even though you were working for the guys and did everything they wanted. Man, that's Spec Ops the line. Um, it was you all along. The guy that he was commanding you is actually dead. Oh, so you're a psycho? Yeah. Yep. Oh, there we go. Uh, that's pretty... In Metroid, you're a lady. Oh! <laughs> oh what? Eris dies. I already said Eris dies. A nice yeah. old public, you're Darth Redden. Uh, the princess is constantly in another castle until the eighth castle where she's actually there. I yeah. thought she was randomly generated. I thought she might show up in an earlier castle when I was. Oh! Oh! For you. The uh, the princess will never uh, Zelda will never excuse Link. <laughs> oh, I actually got yelled at for this. I, this is a fun story. I uh, so uh, excuse no, me. No, no, stories. I just keep going. The lightning ramp. Sheik uh, she is Zelda, and I got yelled at for not even spoiling that. Sheik is Zelda. What? I knew that. In Zelda: The Wind Waker, uh, the wind doesn't actually ever stop napping. Constantly <laughs> 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 napping wind. In Sonic Amigo, a bunch of monkeys. Dance in a street with Brazilian carnival music playing. That's on the box, though. That's not a spoiler. It, but it happens over and over and over again. It's a twist. In Guitar Hero, uh, eventually you're you're playing Dragon Force if you're good enough. Yeah. Uh, in Dragon Force, you're eventually playing Guitar Hero if you're good enough. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh my God! How could you? Well <laughs> that. I've got that one on the Sega Ages. Well, I don't anymore, but I used to. Um, 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 God, more games. Um, in Halo 2, there's a big octopus thing at the end, and it mumbles to you for, like, ten minutes straight. It sure does. <laughs> <laughs> like that? Yeah, exactly like that. 
At the end of Legion 2 Lair, you get laid. Oh, really? Maybe the way you play. Totally get laid. And at the end of Legion Suit Larry, uh, for me, my mom shows up and kicks me up. <laughs> that's that's yeah, I got. No one ever takes their top off in Dead or Alive Extreme Beach Volleyball. What? Oh. The worst. Get Thank you for saving uh, my life. I was playing that. In, in, uh, in Halo, combat evolved. The combat does not actually evolve. In Halo, it evolves a little. It does. It, it not not three finish the fight. There's. Uh, it doesn't finish. And there's a sequel. Right. In uh, in in Cannibal, the guy dies. Yep. <laughs> in uh, in Dragon Quest Five. No, I'm not going to spoil Dragon Quest Five because I want Frank. To- yeah, don't. <laughs> Saved by the buzzer. Play Dragon Quest Five to actually find out what happens in Dragon Quest Five. Spoilers in that game. This has been episode six of the Insert Credit Podcast. If you'd like to hear your question on the show or answer one of ours, send an email or an audio file under one minute to podcast at insertcredit.com. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. We love hearing nice things about us, and Apple uses that information to feature us in the iTunes store. You can also discuss the show on insertcredit.com. This has been Alex Gorblax Jaffe. It sure has. Us. The rest of us also. Spoilers. Oh, Fighter 3, Ryu wins. Gu- guys, this is the part where you introduce yourself. We covered this on the last show. This, this is the Sheffield third time. time. Uh, Frank's Folly, bye. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm the guy who's... Ryu wins. Uh, I'm Christian Nutt. Uh, I'm Tim Rogers. Yeah. Street Fighter 2. And we're signing off oh. telling you to play near once a year. Podcast over, yeah!